The scripture reading this evening comes from the chapter of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, all 10 verses. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you. You're continually mentioned in our prayers. We remember you before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. We know how you lived among we know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And you and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned from God, you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. That went in on him at the last minute. Good thing Kevin called us out, and I'm glad we rang it out tonight. Good song from the past. Lots of fun learning how to sing bass, singing that song. We're glad you're here tonight. We do start a new series on 1 Thessalonians, which is a great little book. One of the earliest books, maybe the earliest book Paul wrote to those young and early Christians who were living their lives in such a way that it was being an encouragement to other people. You want to read the, the story of how Paul came to Thessalonica and brought that message. Go to Acts 17. You can read it. He wasn't there very long, maybe a month or so. Difficulties come. He has to leave. But he sends Timothy, and Timothy comes and gives him this wonderful report. And uh, so he answers some of their questions. He encourages them. He builds them up. And then he also gives them some challenges how to live their life for those who are being a little lazy and other things. But he says that you have this hope. And the reason their lives rang out to others in encouragement is they were living with a hope. And they were real believers, living in a real world with challenges very similar to what we face today in that Satan is working to discourage them and stop them. He's using persecution then, but we live in a world that doesn't necessarily build us up and encourage us to walk a Christian walk as well. And so the challenges he speaks to them about can still be things that speak to us today. All right, excuse me. You want me to do this. There's a clock down here on the front pew, and you want me to watch it. Somebody had set it down where I couldn't see it. I understand it's fall break, so we, we, we're good now. Yeah, it's close. Oh, it's slow. Mmm, mmm, not looking good for you folks out there. But they lived their lives in such a way that it was brought encouragement, and that encouragement was spread throughout. It literally, as Paul's going to say later in 1 Thessalonians 1, it rang out. And we want our lives to ring out as well. You know, what causes a bell to ring is, is, the, um, is the clapper that's on the inside, the, the piece of metal 
that's the striker that hits it. And so when the striker hits, it has a choice. And, and it's, if it's shaped right and if it's built right, a bell rings forth. It tolls forth where everybody can see it. If not, it is a very dull, muted sound that doesn't carry far at all. And yet their lives were shaped by God in such a way as when hardships struck them, they rang forth. Their lives sounded forth through their actions that was such a blessing to the world. And that's what he's talking about in verse 8, when the message rang out, their, their lives. And I think one of the reasons why that, that um, message, that that tone that ringing was so well heard was because of verse 3 first Thessalonians 1 3 we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ I have to say in my Christian walk this verse has spoken to me many times it is a beautiful example of what should motivate us what should call us to action it's a beautiful example of a life in, that lives it's in, in a godly way in this world in such a way as when hardships come, it sounds forth the pure message of what a Christian life ought to be. And so we're just going to look at those three fa uh, phrases first. And the first one is your work produced by faith. And this, this work is the deeds that you follow. It's your business. It's, it's your actions. And our actions do matter. How we act does matter, even if sometimes we don't understand. For all of us who had children, we know our children oftentimes do things that if they were to follow through with them, uh, will hurt them, like uh, touching a hot iron. I, I, you know, why did you not touch a hot, hot iron? You know, ask any child, because if you reach your hand towards a hot iron, a hand comes from nowhere and slaps your hand. So don't touch a hot iron. You know, it's almost like, watch this. Reach your hand up, and that hand just comes from nowhere. But you and I both know that's not why we teach our children not to touch a hot iron. It's not because they'll learn that we're going to slap their hand. It's one of those experiences we don't want them to learn from touching something that's hot and getting burned and damaging them, their hand. So quite frankly, they oftentimes learn it just because we slap their, their little hands when they're, they're going to touch something that's going to hurt them and damage them. Same with playing in the street. You know, I learned very early that if I played in the street, I would, would be severely disciplined by my mom, which in those day and age has included a spanking. I remember our dog got out of the backyard once. His name was Jiminy. And Jiminy was playing in the street, and I thought, Jiminy, you better get out of that street because if mom sees you, you're going to get a spanking. And pretty soon, a motorcycle was coming down the street and, and hit him. And I remember seeing my, my, the dog I loved, he, he survived it, but seeing him hurt and bleeding in the street and it, it connecting kind of for the first time. Well, maybe that's why mom doesn't want me to play in the street because she knows I might get hurt, which was really confusing later when mom told me to go out and play in the street one day. <laughs> she never did that. She never did that. But all of a sudden things start clicking in our heads. We don't do things because of we might get hurt. And so our actions do matter, even if sometimes we do them without a full understanding of why or what we're doing. And so this work, these deeds, our actions should be produced by something. And in our lives, they can be produced by several different things. What's going to give rise to our actions? What's going to prompt us? What's going to give shape and form to our actions? And that word produced means to bring that forth. 
And is it going to be fear of a hand coming from nowhere and slapping us? Or fear of a car? Or is it going to be something different, a knowledge, an understanding that there are certain things in life that God calls us not to do? But even if we don't understand, is it going to be fear or our option here is faith? Our work produced by faith. Work produced by faith. The Hebrew writer gives us that beautiful uh, example of, of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So faith is believing in things that we might not even see yet. We don't fully understand. I'm not for sure how dating works these days, how you ask somebody out. But back in my day, it took a little faith to get a date. Because in those days, you used to call someone up or you would find a time where you asked them if they would go on a date with you. Hoping, believing, having a little bit of faith that there was a chance that they might say yes. And if you didn't have any faith you probably didn't do much asking and from what few observations I have there's very little faith among some of you single folks out here because I don't see a whole lot of asking going on but it took a little faith to prompt an action an attitude and God wants us to be people of faith even though sometimes we can't understand how why he wants us to do it so what is God asking you to do that you don't yet fully understand as a child, there were a lot of things my parents asked me to do that truly didn't make sense at the time, like, like making my bed. You know, I was just going to sleep in it again that night, so why make it? Because I couldn't grasp the concept that there is this, the, the value of order in your private world, where discipline and order in your private spaces brings discipline and order into the public spaces of your life. And when you can order those private spaces and have them collected in an order, it impacts your, your further life. By the way, I still don't get that, so I don't know why we make our bed at our house. But there are things like that. I, I didn't understand why I should practice or play the piano. You know, it was, it was something I didn't want to do. I was forced to take five years of piano lessons. I much rather would have been out playing or watching reruns of Gilligan's Island or something, anything other than practicing the piano. But I didn't get the value of music in our lives. One of the things that happens later in your, you know, through music is you can express an internal feeling in a, in a musical way. And I, for those of you who are musicians, there was probably a time where that just clicked with you, where all of a sudden what you're feeling on the inside, you were able to express in a musical way, and it, it brings a beautiful and powerful release. After five years of piano, piano lessons, I still can't do that on a piano. I was a saxophone player, and that's where I discovered that truth. But I didn't get it at the time. And then later in life, I discovered, you know, at about the age 40, you no longer want to skateboard or do some of those things I wanted to do when I was a kid instead of practice the piano. But music is something that you can carry through life. I just didn't get it. There are a lot of other things, like eating vegetables, taking shots, being careful who you date, getting good grades. I didn't get a lot of those things. And yet... Mom and dad were right enough times that I learned to listen to them and to think there might just be something there. And one of the ways that these young Christians' life rang out to the world 
was their actions, their deeds, what they did was produced by a faith in God who probably knew more than they did. The second phrase is labor prompted by love. Now, now labor means uh, just a wearing out work. And if you want to think of labor, you can probably think of one of the most wearing out jobs you ever did. For me, it was in college one year. I went home and I was a carpenter's helper and we carried, we unloaded a whole semi of four by 16 sheet pieces of sheetrock that are two together. It, in fact, it made me physically ill. It wore me out. Do you remember some work like that that you probably have done? Maybe you even did it over the weekend. There are some things that just wear you out, like babysitting. I don't know what it is for you that, that wears you out. But when you think of the word labor, for many of us, there's something else that comes to mind, right? And they don't call it labor for no reason, correct? What's amazing to me, it's not amazing to me that many families have one children. It's very amazing that they have two or three or four or more. You know, for those of us husbands who watched our wives go through labor, it really is an amazing thing, something we, we never forget. In fact, I still think my wife can do anything because she did that three times, and it was amazing to watch. It, it was incredible. It, it truly is. It's, it's very, very touching to see that. Having a baby is called labor for a reason. But there are other things that we do that just wear us out. It's not just having a baby. It's when those babies grow up and care for their parents. Now, that's labor. That's, that's just hard work, sitting by those hospital beds, bringing them into your home. It's just challenging. There's a lot of things in life that we do that just wear us out. It's like a youth minister planning a lock-in. Now, that's labor. <laughs> you know, why, why does anybody do a lock-in? I did them before not anymore so what what prompts you to do a labor like that love or lack of intelligence I'm not for sure but you know so when you think of this labor what prompts it and it, that next phrase is that prompted by it's it's what causes that action it means to incite. It's, it's like some of you are in uh, performances and you're, you're speaking your lines and you forget it and you have a prompter. And so if you happen to forget what am I supposed to say, where am I supposed to go, they're, they're that prompt that helps you move or remember what you're supposed to do. So what prompts this labor? We talked about women going through labor. What prompts it is the love that they have. Why do they have the second child? It's because they did have that first child, and they know that love. They know the hardships and the heartaches, but they also know the love that they have. So what prompts that? What causes you to act in that way? You know, what's that reminder that's always there for us? I grew up in the home with a teacher. My mom is a, a school teacher. And um, I grew up in southeastern Oklahoma where they talk really funny, and they don't ever talk right, and they say a lot of words they shouldn't say, and they, they, they use ain't and y'all and all kinds of things. And, but in our house... We had to speak proper English, and if we said something wrong, mom would stop us, and she would say it right. My dad's a preacher. He can tell you this is true. Going home from church, his English was corrected. It was. So my dad has very correct English because mom taught us to speak correctly. When I was in English class, I couldn't remember all the rules or all the, you know, what was supposed to go before that. I couldn't remember the names of all the prepositions, propositions, whatever they were. But I did know that if I could say the phrase and not hear my mom slap me or correct me, I was on. I, I, I literally, I would just speak it in my head. Yeah, that sounds like what mom, how mom would say it. And that's what prompted me and, and helped me learn something. That's what we need in our lives. 
things that prod us along, that prompt us along, that help us learn what we ought to, to do and we ought to be. God knew that this is a very much of a challenge. He knew that Pharaoh was not going to do with the children of Israel what he needed to do unless God prompted him. Exodus 3.19, But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him, prodded him along, and helped him. God was talking to Moses about the, the children of Israel making offerings in the temple, and he says this in Exodus 25 too, the same concept. Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. So we have a, a choice. What's going to prompt us on this journey? And the Thessalonians' prompter was love. That labor, that wearing out work, was prompted by the love that they had. That agape love, that self-sacrificing love. It is, I don't always understand it, but my parents have been right so many times, I'm going to follow them, I'm going to listen to them again. I don't always understand what God's calling me to do, but God is right, and so I'm going to follow him. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all have died. One of the greatest examples I've seen of this is, uh, came right after I, I moved to Edmond many, many years ago. I, it was so powerful to me. I don't know if it'll communicate very powerfully, but it was powerful enough to me that I wrote about it. At that time, there was a couple of members, people who had been members of this church family, and their, and their families had been for, for years and years. And as I wrote about it, it had to do with Ina Weiss, who had, uh, in her later years had married I.V. Ashby. And some of y'all can fix this story later on if I get it a little bit wrong. They'd only been married for a couple of years, and they were both very old at the time. And not long after they were married, after they'd been married just two years, Ivy Ashby became very, very ill and needed a lot of care. And I remember going and visiting them in the hospital and seeing that care and that love. And I remember hearing people talk about that. Her love and her patience and her endurance was just incredible for how she cared for him. And I wrote about what prompted her to act in such a way. And at her funeral, here is a quote from her. He always said a man should hold his wife in reverence above all else. And so one of the things that prompted her to act that way to I.V. was how he had treated her and how he had valued her. And so what prompts this labor, this wearing out work that sometimes we're called to do? It is a love that we've experienced from God. It's what motivates us. Not that we have to, but we love to do what God calls us to do. You're probably aware that in the state of Oklahoma, we have several laws that require parents to care for their children. They have to house them, and they have to clothe them, and they have to give them medical treatment. And if they don't, the state of Oklahoma will come and find you, take your children away, and arrest you, and probably put you in jail. Therefore, living in the state of Oklahoma, when I had children, living, I was raising my kids, I made sure I always fed, clothed, and gave them the medical care because I didn't want to go to jail. Some of us have lost the real joy of worship, of service, of prayer, because we're motivated by our fears. Our fear of going to hell, 
fear that our family is going to disapprove of us fear of the pressure of all the people around us and so we keep all the laws of being religious of doing nothing bad because we don't want anything bad to happen to us there is a better way prompted by love we find ourselves wanting to read the Bible prompted by love we find ourselves wanting to pray wanting together with believers and worship to God you know if someone loved you and someone that you love the most sent you a message sent you a letter what are you going to do with it you're going to throw it away without reading it no you're, you're going to open it you're going to read it and if there is a need or, or something they ask of you you're going to do your best to answer it why because of love these young Christians in Thessalonica their actions rang forth to the world because their labor, their wearing out work was prompted by the love that they had. And the final phrase is endurance inspired by hope in our Lord. Endurance, that, that word in English, hupomene, is literally means, brings into the thought this, this continuance. It's not just like, okay, I'm going to endure it. It is a continual endurance. It, it, it's, it's a steadfastness the King James Version actually called it patience but it, it doesn't mean I'm just going to hunker down and just wait for it to end it means that I'm going to be steadfast during it it's an action, it's not a passive thing it's something that I do and to try and illustrate this I thought of a very theological way to do that and I found this child's, children's poem not theological at all by T.C. Hamlet that makes the point and I heard this poem years and years ago and I've always got a big kick out of it and I, I got to reading it thinking it's no children's Bible hour tonight be great put a kid's poem in here for all the kids then I got to think these kids are not going to understand this poem but maybe us older folks will get a kick out of it Two Frogs by T.C. Hamlet Two frogs fell into a can of milk or so I've heard it told the sides of the can were shiny and steep the milk was deep and cold oh what's the use croaked number one Tis fate, no helps around. Goodbye, my friend, goodbye, sad world. And weeping still, he drowned. But number two of sterner stuff, dog paddled in surprise. The while he wiped his milky face and dried his milky eyes. I'll swim a while, at least he said, or so I've heard he said. It really wouldn't help the world if one more frog were dead. An hour or two, he kicked and swam. Not once he stopped to mutter. But kicked and kicked and swam and kicked, then hopped out via butter. Okay, only old people are laughing right now because young people are going, butter, milk, butter, I don't get it. So, I sure hope the one thing you remember out of this message is not butter. <laughs> but you get the point. I mean, we're not supposed to just hunker down and say, okay, the world's doing bad things to us. We're just going to stay here and just make it. We are supposed to live life we're to engage. We're to, be, to live our lives in this world. And how do we do that? You have to be inspired by something. What spurs us on, that word inspired? What inspires you the most? I hope it's not just the fact that some people have it worse than you have it. That's not what should inspire us. Maybe it inspires you to hear success stories of other people and what they've done. Or learning from others how they made it through their struggles. 
you know, what draws you on? What inspires you? When I think of some of the most difficult times in my own life, the things that have inspired me are not being told that everything will be okay. It's been when people say, Kent, you can do this. You can endure this. You will survive. There is reason for you to have hope. So this kind of endurance we're talking about is inspired, is spurred on by hope in our Lord. Now, most likely this refers to the second coming. But this hope they have is not just something that's vague. It's not a vague desire that, that's just out there. It is a certainty that they as believers can look forward to that help them through these difficult times in which they found themselves. And this hope made it possible for them to endure all kinds of difficulties and hardship. And it's a hope that you and I can have as well. And when we do, it makes a difference in this world, in our lives and the lives of those around us. Hope that's found in concepts like 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Hope that's found in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. We can't endure because what spurs us on is this hope that we have in God, that he will be there and see us through and protect us and help us. And when we have these characteristics, this work produced by faith, this labor prompted by love, this endurance inspired by hope, our lives will ring forth when this world strikes us. And just, what, just like what happened from that little church in Thessalonica can happen today. 1 Thessalonians 1.8 The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we don't need to say anything about it. It rings out to this world. And it gives them courage new, anew. You know, it just wasn't... I want to make this very clear. It wasn't just their work and their labor and endurance that rang out. So many times we think of that. It's just, I've got to work harder, I've got to labor harder, I have to endure more. It wasn't just their work, labor, and endurance that rang out. It was the faith, love, and hope that motivated their actions. That's what made the difference. <laughs> Do not miss it. The key here is when you leave is it's not labor, work, endure. It is faith, love, and hope. That's what takes those actions and makes them something that is different in this world. You know a lot of people that work hard. You know a lot of people that labor, do wearing out things. But we need to be different. We do them for a different reason. We are motivated by, faith, motivated by faith, love, and hope. And to make this perfectly clear, I'm going to take just a few moments here. You can follow on the screen because we're going to read several verses that speak to the truth of the power of faith, hope, and love in our lives. So let God speak to you now. Romans 5, these are selected 
uh, words from these passages. I'm not going to read the entire passages. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. We have been justified through faith. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Ephesians 1, 15 through 18. Ever since I heard about your faith and your love, I have not stopped giving thanks. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Ephesians 4, 2 through 5. Bearing with one another in love, you were called to one hope, one faith. Colossians 1, 4 through 5. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints that spring forth from your hope that is stored up for you in heaven. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. Let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a, a helmet. Hebrews 10, 22 through 24. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 8. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us new birth into a living hope, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And 1 Peter 1, 21 through 22. Your faith and hope are in God. Have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. In this day of complex formulas, this simple truth holds, still holds true for Christians' life. Faith, hope, and love. They are what inspire us, they are what prompt us, and they are what moves us forward. May we live lives shaped by faith, hope, and love. And when we do, it will ring out for the world to hear. The way we live through life's challenges speaks to other, others. When our lives and their lives are pierced through by the challenges of this world, may they hear a tone that calls them to God. We're shaped by God. And when life hits, may we ring out the beautiful message of the hope that we have. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. I'm going to offer an invitation at this time. I'm going to sing about how Jesus is Lord. And I hope you'll reflect on these thoughts as you consider that. And it, in our words, we declare Jesus Lord of our life. If you've never declared him Lord of your life through confessing his name, repenting and changing, having your sins, confessing his name and washing your your sins washed away in the waters of baptism, now's the time. Don't put it off any longer. If you need to respond publicly in any way, we'd be happy to receive you. For the, for the rest of us, let's declare Jesus as Lord of our lives 
and then watch for how that can impact, impact our walk in the week. Let's stand together and sing.